What's going on everybody? Welcome back to The Graveyard. I'm The Graveyard Gamer and in today's episode we're actually going to be talking about games that surpassed my expectations. Now to be clear, I do have an entire episode about games that surprised me. And when I mean games that surprised me, that's kind of more in the line of Until Dawn, which I talk about in that episode because that is a game that I didn't know what to expect when I went to play it. But once I started playing it and I completed it, I was like, wow, that was absolutely amazing. I love that game. This is a little bit different. These are games that I had an expectation going in for. If you think about a review score, maybe I was going, ah, eh, it's probably going to be a 7. Eh, maybe that's actually going to be a 9. But when I got done playing, I was like, holy smokes, I love that game. I did not expect it to be that good. To give you an example, something like The Last of Us 2 that came out this summer, I gave it a 10. Now, in all honesty, based on the first game, based on Naughty Dog's just their reputation of how they put out the games and how much I loved them, I knew that game was going to be a really good game. I might not have thought that I was going to walk away going, hey, this game is a 10, but I already knew it was going to be a really, really well-made game, just like Red Dead Redemption 2. Did I expect it to become my favorite game of all time? No, but I knew going into the game, Rockstar was going to give me a solid high upper echelon of gaming greatness. But I want to talk about those games. I also want to kind of go to the other end of that spectrum and do a few games that kind of disappointed me. Doesn't mean I hated these games or these games were bad, but you kind of have this expectation. But at this time it goes to the other side, to where you're just like, eh, maybe not what I wanted. Then I'm going to introduce a new segment to this week's show, and it's actually going to be older games that I want to find in a bargain bin. And this is because we've been talking about some games lately, and now some of them are stuck in my head like, man... I wish I could find those games. And of course, we'll be talking about the Graveyard Shift. And this week, it's time to talk about my Trophy of the Month. Alright guys, so when we talk about games that surpassed my expectations, the first one I got to start off with is a game that I'm currently playing through now. I'm hoping to get a review out for you next week, fingers crossed, but it's Ratchet and Clank. And if you've heard me talking about that game, you should know why it's exceeded my expectations. Look, I've never played one of the Ratchet and Clank games. I wish I could go back to the PS2 da days and just start off right at the first game and play through it. Because if they are anything as good as this 2016 game, I would have been hooked. I, I just can't tell you how much I love this game. It is extremely satisfying to do a lot of things in this game. And in fact, I don't want to go too much into it because I really do want you guys to check out my review coming up soon. But I'll just say that going into it, it's kind of what I said. I expect it maybe an 8 out of this game. But spoiler alert, this game is going to be scored higher than an 8 because it is so well done. And it's not just, you could say, the developers put that much time and effort into it. It is just genuinely that much fun to play to the point that it's like, wow, like, man, I should have been on these kind of platformers a lot sooner. And that, I think, is a mark of how it surpasses expectations. Like, I thought I would just get a good game out of it. But now I'm going, man, I should really spend more time in this genre. To me... It's just, it's an awesome game. And that brings me to another game. Now, I've told you before, I'm not a big first-person shooter fan, which is why, if you check my Missed Games episode, I talk about having missed, but I kind of wanted to play Wolfenstein. And then you can see that a few months later, I actually got a chance to play Wolfenstein. Now, here's the deal. I absolutely was just sucked into Wolfenstein. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, one, you got a cool story that I didn't expect to be that wrapped up into. You got solid gameplay. I mean, that's the cool part about it. Like, there were so many parts that would be like, hey, if you went to the left, you could actually sneak around. You just have to take all these people out. 
but you could, you know, stealth them out for an enemy or two and kind of dwindle their numbers. Or the game also made you a badass enough to be like, you know what, I'm just going to Rambo this thing and take everybody out. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the story, the setting. I love that kind of, you know, that alternate history where the Nazis are kind of like ruling the world and they've got all the power and the occult and all that mixed with not only that, but an awesome villain in that game that you just wanted to take out. I thoroughly loved Wolfenstein. It definitely exceeded my expectations. I was thinking it was going to be a pretty cool game, just a lot of fun. And I left it going, man, I might have had more fun with that than I had with Halo 5 because I'd played that roughly the same time. Another game I got to talk about is from the Yakuza series. And you can actually check out my Yakuza franchise on Anchor. And here's the deal. Did I expect a good game from Yakuza Kiwami 2? Absolutely. Look, I, I talk about it in that episode. I loved Zero. I loved Kiwami. Kiwami actually became my favorite game that I played last year. But this year, when I finally got a chance to play Kiwami 2, I won't lie. Maybe I was feeling a little bit of franchise fatigue. I'd also played Judgment in there. And I went into the game and I was kind of dragging my feet. But then I started playing it more and more. And I found myself not wanting to stop. I got so into it. The upgrade system is so well done. Not only that, but I really got into the hostess game. I really got into the completionist. I got into just anything that game threw at me, I was into. Now, that's not to say I loved every little bit of it. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily love the Majima construction. But what I'm saying is, man, I got into that game so much, man. I just, I couldn't pull myself away. In fact, if it wouldn't have been for the fact that I had other games that I was hoping to accomplish and finish up, I probably would have just restarted the game and played through it on Legend because I enjoyed the game that much. And a lot of it does, again, have to go to that upgrade system because I found myself wanting to do things that I hadn't done in the previous games. For example, I never got tired of fighting thugs because I could equip different drinks or different charms that would give me more XP, more money, just make, you know, it just all fed into it. And I absolutely loved it. I have loved it enough that Lost at Sea Gaming, the podcast here on Anchor, the host Hoking Yoda, and you know him from the skateboarding episode, Mr. C from Gaming with Mr. C on YouTube. Man, I have talked their ear off because they are both kind of at that Yakuza Kiwami stage of their playthrough of the Yakuza franchise. And man, I keep bugging them. Like, guys, just, just get to Kiwami too. It is just such a great game. And that's, that's what I'm talking about, surpassing expectations. I expected a lot of it because, hey, man, I enjoyed Zero and I loved Kiwami. But this was way beyond what I thought I would get out of it. Another game that definitely surpassed expectations, and I got to play it a few months ago, and that was Resident Evil 7. When the demo first came out for this game back in 2016, I thought it was cool, but I don't know that I was sold on Resident Evil in this style. First-person shooter and whatnot. But at the end of the day, man, I couldn't stop playing this game. I loved how fun it was. For me, I kind of sat there and got into it, and it reminded me a lot of Resident Evil 1 and the Spencer Mansion. Because you're going around this mansion and you're trying to explore. But the cool thing about it is you've got the bakers like constantly coming at you. And I love the way it was set up that you were kind of in fear of searching and exploring. But you wanted to sneak out and run by them just to get to that next area. But then at the same time, it was also well done that when you got to the point that you took out that, you know, that area's boss, if you will, you got to kind of explore. And the house and the design of it was so well done. I'm a big fan when a game makes you want to explore because the layout is so well done. 
That's how this game was. I can't stress enough how excited I am now for Resident Evil 8 just because of how much I enjoyed Resident Evil 7. I didn't know what to expect. I thought it would probably be pretty solid, but again, this game was more than I thought it would be. Now, this one's a little bit different, but I'm going to put it in there. And that is the Mafia 3 DLC. Now, Mafia 3 to me was a pretty solid game. It wasn't perfect. It had its faults, but there was a really solid game with a really solid story. But this past May, when 2K actually released all of the DLC for free and kind of upgraded your base Mafia 3 to the uh, Game of the Year, the Collector's Edition, whatever they refer to it as, I actually was like, all right, cool, I'll play through the DLC. Guys, all three of these DLCs, which is why I'm including it here, was fantastic. They each had their own kind of theme. They each had so much going on in them. I couldn't help but just be sucked into all three of them. They were so good that I went back to the base game and did a lot more in the base game because now I'm just stuck in this world and I just couldn't believe how much I absolutely loved it. A ton of fun. I'm telling you right now, if you've never played the DLC for Mafia 3, you need to start playing it. Hulking Yoda, you need to play the DLC for Mafia 3. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I'm telling you, it was just fantastic, guys. And the fact that it's all free now makes it even better. Now, this one is going back in time. And I'm going to go with Hitman Contracts. And I say that because when Hitman 2 came out originally in 2002, fell in love with it. But Contracts, for some reason, I just couldn't get into it. Then Blood Money came back and really got me back in that you know, in that franchise and, and, you know, down the list. Well, back on the PS3, I eventually did get the HD collection of the PS2 games. Well, this past spring, I started playing through them again. And when I got to contracts, there were so many times that I sat there saying, how did I not get into this game in 2004? How is it 16 years later, I'm sitting here going, this is fantastic. What was I thinking? How did I come up with the idea that, nah, I don't want to play this? I mean, there's that one mission alone where you've got to set up this one Chinese triad guy to take the fall for killing this other one while killing that original guy. It's insane. It's crazy. But man, when you figure out how to do it and work your magic, it is so much fun. There are so many levels that I sat there going, oh man, these levels are better than what we saw in Blood Money. And some of them are better than what we've seen in the 2016 Hitman and in the 2018 Hitman 2. That's how good Hitman Contracts is. And sadly, it's one of those games that probably exceeds my expectations, or I should say surpasses my expectations, because people view it so meh. But it is so good, guys. I'm telling you, if you got a chance, if you're on PC, go check it out, man. It is a fantastic game. The next one, I actually have to go back and I got to thank Mr. C for this, because he actually sent me South Park the Fractured Butthole game. And that actually came with South Park, The Stick of Truth. And I got to say, I didn't know what to expect. I've talked about it before, not being a fan of turn-based combat and kind of not playing some games because of that. Well, he took the chance, sent it to me. I said, okay, fine, I'll try them out. I love both of those games. I'm going to include both of them on there because there's actually two different styles to the gameplay in each of them in the combat, I guess you could say. But at the base, they're so much fun. If you're a fan of the show, you'll get so much enjoyment going around checking out the different areas of the show. And what's really cool is most of the areas are in both games, but they just add just enough in there. 
The combat system in both are just fun to do. I enjoyed it. I found myself pushing, tr try to do as much as I could out of each game. If you have never played either one of these games, I am telling you right now, before this generation ends, you owe it to yourself to do it. Unless you just absolutely hate South Park. If you've ever watched five minutes of the show and said, that was funny, play these games. These games are absolutely fantastic. I mean, let me put it to you this way. And I won't spoil which game is which. One game, you can have a David Hasselhoff face. Which, just imagine a cutout picture of David Hasselhoff on a South Park animation's body. It's hilarious. And on another game, you can fight Morgan Freeman. I'm telling you right now, it's absolutely... Both of them are absolutely fantastic. Guys, I'm going to end it with the game that I actually gave the shout-out of the month to, and that's Dead Rising 4. Because, as I said in the shout-out, when I got done with Dead Rising 2, I wasn't, like, I wasn't super happy. It just didn't live up to what I wanted it to be. So to get to Dead Rising 4 several years later, and to play it, and to sit there and get what I felt was the ultimate Dead Rising experience. I know some people love the, you know, the countdown system and whatnot, but to not have that time limit and to just get to explore and to have an awesome setting, awesome houses, awesome stores, a mall, all of that to go through with a funny, a genuinely funny story. Guys, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to have as much fun in that game as I did. I mean, it surpassed those expectations. I honestly expected maybe like, you know, a seven, and I think I scored the game in the upper eights man it's just a fantastic game that again I, I definitely think you get a lot of fun out of i think the coolest thing about this game and i have to admit it, it sounds kind of bad on me but i got the ultimate edition pack or the frank you know whatever it's called which it comes with all the dlc and whatnot as i'm sitting there playing it i'm going around I'm like man i mean i know it's christmas time in the game but everybody is dressed like a uh, dressed like santa like the entire town is santa claus like that's kind of cheap. Like, they could have done something. It's because I had the DLC turned on where everybody was dressed like an elf or a Santa. I, got, I just remember when I finally realized that, I was like, oh. But again, man, it was just a really, really great game. I'm going to throw two cheats out there. Two cheats. And I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds on these because they, they surprised me. So they were in that uh, Games That Surprised Me episode. But I'm just putting them out there. Death Stranding and Rise of the Tomb Raider. I recommend you go listening to that episode because if you listen to it, you'll know exactly why. Not only did they surprise me, but they exceeded my expectations. Not only did those games become some of my favorite games of this generation, some of my favorite games of all time. In fact, Rise of the Tomb Raider was my number one game of this generation until Red Dead Redemption 2 came along and beat it. But it's still probably in my top three games of all time. And Death Stranding is a game that... I'm going to be honest with you. I want to go back to and play some more. And it's definitely one of the most unique experiences I've played this gen. Alright guys, so on the opposite end of that spectrum, let's talk about some games that actually disappointed me. Now again, these are not necessarily bad games. Some of these games are actually pretty good. It's just I kind of expected a little bit more from them. Right off the gate, let's just go with one I've talked about recently. And that was Destroy All Humans. To be honest with you, when I heard the term remake and how they were going to adjust some things, I thought, okay, cool, this is going to feel like a 2020 game. I mean, it's it's a remake. It's not a remaster. And by the time I got done with it, it's like I said in one of my previous graveyard shifts, ultimately, to me, it just felt like, hey, man, I could have just bought the PS4 port of the PS2 game. There are just some level designs that felt okay, 
probably not top of the line, but like that B level back in you know 2005 when this game released. But in 2020, it just feels really, really low. Like, come on, developers, you could have stepped it up a little bit in these spots. Not to mention, I didn't find it to be the most, you know, best-looking game or the best control. So it really disappointed me because that's a series that I always felt like, man, I missed out on that series. But because the remake was handled the way it was, it's just like, you know what? Even if they made a remake of two or whatever, I, I think I'm good. I don't think I want to play those games. And I think that sucks because a lot of people that I know played it back on the PS2 time actually raved about it. Like, hey, man, this was just a genuinely fun game. You know, again, it's not that AAA experience, but they had a lot of fun with it. Unfortunately, a remake had an opportunity to bring in a bunch of new players, and I think they just kind of squandered that. The next one on my list, and I cannot stress this enough, is a good, good game. Uh, probably one of those great games, if you will. But it's Yakuza 6, The Song of Life. What was the disappointment? It wasn't as good as Yakuza Kiwami 2, excuse me. And I say that because a lot of the systems that I loved so much and made Kiwami 2 so good were created for Yakuza 6, but they just didn't have that fine-tuning. Not to mention, it's the only Yakuza game that I felt like the story just kind of had parts that felt a little, you know, extended and certain sections that just were like, ah, I mean, that's cool, but it's not that big of a deal. I didn't like the new area you went to, so there was just a lot of things about it that was like, wow, I mean, fundamentally, and a lot of parts of this game are still really well done, and, you know, you can have a lot of fun with this game, but I don't know. It was just a step down from the previous games I'd played, not just Kiwami 2, but also Kiwami and Yakuza 0. So, again, if you're thinking about playing it, it's a good game. But for me, it just was disappointing. Started off pretty strong and just made me go, ah, just not as good as I wanted it to be. Now I'm going to go a little farther back, and that is Saints Row 4, because here's the deal. When Saints Row 4 came out, I was so hyped because I loved Saints Row 3. I didn't enjoy Saints Row 1. I didn't even play 2. Saints Row 3, I loved. And Saints Row 4 is still a really fun game, and I definitely implore anybody who enjoys Saints Row 3 to give it a shot, but just know that Saints Row 4 is the definition of jumping the shark. Like, they finally found this right mix with Saints Row, the third, I guess I should say, of having, like, a goofy, over-the-top funness grounded in some awesome, you know, gameplay. But with Saints Row 4, they just went so wacky, so out there, that while it was still cool, it was still funny, you just almost kind of felt like, eh, they could have held back a little bit. And then finally, it's a game I played last year, so a few years after release, and that's Mass Effect Andromeda. And I know a lot of people are like, dude, come on, man. Again, Hulking Yoda, I know he genuinely, him and his wife, both love this game. Honestly, for me, I just kind of was meh about it. And I, look, I loved Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. All three of those original games, I did all the side quests for, I did everything in it. I absolutely loved those games. But... With the drama, like, I eventually got to one point that I was just like, look, I don't care about the companions or your crew members and doing their side missions. I didn't like exploring the planets, and that sucks because that is one thing I wanted to do. I couldn't wait to explore the planets, and they just kind of felt hollow and empty. Ultimately, at the end of the day, when it comes to Mass Effect Andromeda, I just, I was just so meh about it. And that's disappointing because of how much I love the original three games... And how much I convinced myself, like, look, man, people are just giving it a hard time. 
I'm probably at least going to like the game. But at the end of it, I just, I just didn't like it. To the point that if they came out with a new Mass Effect, I don't know if I would even care anymore. Alright guys, so when I talk about games that I want to find in a bargain bin, understand this is just kind of referring to games that maybe I haven't played in a long time, maybe I've never played, but they're kind of on my mind as, you know what, I'd like to play that again, or I'd like to play that game. But you know what, I could go online and find any of these games, but it's kind of one of those things where it's not necessarily something I want to put that much effort into, it's just, hey, if I ever came across it, I'd pick it up. Now the first two games are on my mind because of last week's episode, and that's The Punisher and X2 Wolverine's Revenge. I talked about them in last week's superhero episode about why, I, you know, certain superhero games I love so much. And honestly, there's a kind of a funny story about both of these games. I actually had them on Xbox, and I would play them here and there on my 360. Well, I saw them in a game store, and I knew my 360 was kind of on its last legs. I saw them in a local game store. I don't remember how much they were, but I remember going, you know what, I'll just hold off. They were on PS2, and I thought, hmm. I don't need them right now. Well, if that 360 dies, and I go into that game store, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and pick those games up so I can start playing them on PS2 and have fun with them. They were gone. And now the crazy thing is, is I go online and look every once in a while on Amazon, and both these games at different times actually go for what I would consider a pretty penny for games that are older than 15 years at this point. And honestly, am I going to sit there and play them start to finish? Probably not. So... Again, that's why I say bargain bin is, is I don't necessarily want to spend full price for these games. Another game, it's on my mind because of me and Mr. C skateboarding episode. That's Tony Hawk's Underground. Look, I played this game out back in the day. I loved it. It's the first Tony Hawk game that I got a million points on a combo. And it was just so fun. The story, the setting, and of course the gameplay is a lot of fun. Especially having recently played the Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remakes. I just sit there and go, man, I wish I could find that game. Again, just like with Punisher and Wolverine, do I think I would sit there and play through the full game? Probably not. But the opportunity to pop it in, hit it in the PS2, and kind of lose myself for an hour or so, man, I would love to do that. Now I'm also going to bring up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And this is a game from Platinum Games. It came out in 2016, I believe. And honestly, I kind of wanted to play it. I always meant to, but you know what? You can't even buy it digitally anymore. So that means that when you see that game in the stores, it's like 25 bucks, And I've read enough reviews to know that it's probably not that great of a game. But I love Ninja Turtles. Just like with Ghostbusters, I think it would just be an awesome nostalgia trip. So if I ever see that game for cheap enough, I definitely am going to check it out. And finally, it's a game that I, I, I'll put it to you like this. Splinter Cell Blacklist. And I say that because... This game was on PS3 on sale for like 8 bucks a couple years ago. And I thought, you know what? I got a lot of games right now. I'll get it the next time it goes on sale. Because in fact, all the Splinter Cell games that were on PlayStation 3 were, were on sale. Guys, after that, I mean, that might have been the last sale that actually had PlayStation 3 games on sale. Now again, this is probably about 15 bucks on the PS3 if you download it. I just don't want to spend 15 bucks with it because... It's probably a great game, but again, it's kind of one of those things of like, am I going to sit there and, you know, spend the 20, 25 hours to play through this game on the PS3? I don't know. But it's definitely one if I came into a store and seen it for 10 bucks, I would definitely pick it up. But guys, again, those are all games. I never played the last two, but those first three, man, just the chance to jump back in and play them would be a ton of fun. So if I ever see them in a bargain bin, you can better believe I'm picking them up.
Welcome to the Graveyard Shift. This week's Graveyard Shift is actually kind of light because honestly, most of my time was spent finishing up Avengers, which you can see my review, and playing Ratchet and Clank, which I'm very close to the end, so I'm hoping you'll see a review next week. So, really what I can talk to you about, I can tell you a funny story about the Tony Hawk remake and how my son, my nine-year-old son, kept challenging me. Can we play? Can we play? So we play a game of horse. And as I'm sitting there playing it, and I mean, don't get me wrong, he got me with the H, but I wiped him out with the horse, man. But he just, come on, come on. He's kind of like me. gets competitive. And I was like, look, you know you can change the name to horse to anything. And he goes, this is a nine-year-old kid. He goes, Juicy Turd. And I'm like, Juicy Turd? I'm like, boy, you know I just whooped your butt in horse. You really want to make a Juicy Turd? He wanted it to be Juicy Turd, guys. So I sat there, and I played him in Juicy Turd, man. And I got to say, I destroyed that boy. I think I got a J. He did now. He did get over, I think it was 11,000 points on one combo. And I was like, that's impressive. But guys, I crushed that kid. And I've been calling him a juicy turd ever since. Now, the best part about that is my other two kids, they were little, but I was riding that high of like just crushing the competition. So I kind of did, you know. Uh, <laughs> a fun dad thing and my daughter who's six she was like I want to try so I'm like, cool man what do you want to be and so she became butt because yeah I totally wiped the floor with her and then my four year old I should have let him win I know I should have but sometimes that dad gets a hold of you and that competitive edge and I made him a booger so my three kids have been juicy turd butt and booger all week thanks to some awesome awesome fun in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, which, again, let me just say, is just a blast. It truly is a game you can pick up, and within a little bit of time, as my 9-year-old was nailing some cool stuff, kind of get the foundation of how to play the game. Even I'm sitting there playing after 20 years of muscle memory, hitting some cool lines, doing some cool combos, I definitely hope to, at some point in the future, put that as a side piece game. Now, speaking of that, I want to talk about my game plan. So my game plan right off the gate is... Because here it is, it's changing again. I know, it's been changing a lot recently. But I'm going to finish up Ratchet & Clank. But then instead of messing with Daymare 1998 that I kind of talked about last week, I'm going back to the original game plan I had. And I'm hoping on Tuesday to start Ghost of Tsushima and play through that game. Ultimately, what I kind of realized is if I squeezed Daymare, I would be doing that. I would be trying to force myself to run through it and I didn't want to do that. That's not fair to the game. Let me get to it when I kind of want to spend that time with it. Now, so I'll be spending next week on Ghost. And then I'm going to take a break during the week of Halloween and go to Man of Medan and play through that. And hopefully finish that up before Halloween and then move back to Ghost until I finish that game. My, my idea is, one, it kind of gives me a few days break after just kind of getting hot and heavy in the goes. At the same time, man, it allows me to play this creepy game right there in the week of Halloween. I think it flows well together. And then I can just jump right back into Ghost. Now, I know it's not the end of the month, but it's been about a month tonight since I did a Trophy of the Month. So I want to go ahead and award that. And this month's going to a trophy called Abbey Normal. Now, that's from Ratchet and & Clank. And you're in this one level where you got to get a lot of telepathopus brains. Now, these are these kind of floating squid-looking things, right? And as you shoot them, you get their brain. To advance the story, you got to sit there and you got to get 30 of them. Well, once you do that, the guy that you give them to basically tells you if you get all 60 in the level, 
he'll actually give you a secret weapon, a new weapon. So I went about doing it. And I got to admit, guys, I got down to the final three and I couldn't find him anywhere. Like, it took me forever. In fact, I actually stopped it and went and played Avengers. And that was what I came back to. Man, luckily, I kind of noticed a corner of the screen that I hadn't seen. I went there and that's where they all were. There was a ton of enemies, a ton of stuff going on. But I just felt really cool because you have to do a lot of exploring to find the final 30 uh, that you need for this trophy. So I know it doesn't sound like much, but as much as I've been enjoying that game and to really kind of go through every nook and cranny of this level, I absolutely enjoyed it. And it was kind of one of those things, when I do a trophy of the month, it just doesn't want to be like, oh, this is worth so many percentage points or this is such a big deal. It's a gold. It's a platinum. No, sometimes it's just like when you get it, you're like, yes. I got it, man. Woo! Took some work, but I got it. That's how I feel about Abby Normal. So, guys, that's about what I got for you. However, I just want to throw this out there. You'll notice on my social media posts lately, I've been using the hashtag Day2Crew. Now, that's because back in the day, Mr. C, Hulking Yoda, and I, we were part of a podcast called Day2Update. Now, that podcast no longer exists. However, as I'm constantly doing call-outs for Mr. C and Hulking Yoda, they also do the same thing in their podcast or their YouTube show. But we kind of wanted to make it easier for each of us to connect and basically allow you guys to see where is Mr. C, what is he doing? Well, there you go. We're all using that hashtag. You can easily click on it, follow it to see what we're all doing. But anyway, guys, I had a lot of fun going through this episode. I really was excited you could say that it surpassed my expectations well uh, but anyway guys hopefully you guys come back and see me next week i'm hoping to have that ratchet and clank episode i'm hoping to get you another graveyard gaming but until then you can always catch me on instagram at the graveyard gamer you can always send me an email and let me know what you think about the show and the different topics at the graveyard gamer at gmail.com and of course on twitter i try to every time i play Share at least one picture, one clip of what I'm up to, and you can find me there at the Graveyard G. But until next time, guys, you can catch me creeping around the graveyard. Yeah.